Hello, fellow campers. Welcome to episode nine of the RV Connects. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We are Melina and Dan, and together with our teen and tween, we are the RV Connects, a family of part-time RVers towing our way through North America and sharing our tips, tricks, reviews, and stories along the way to help you plan your own adventures to far-flung places on your vacations from work. If you're returning to the show, thank you. We seem to have a pretty unique 60-40 split of Canadian and American listeners, so whether you're joining us from Atlanta, Dallas, Toronto, or Winnipeg, we're happy to have you along for the ride. If you're enjoying the show, please share it with your friends and family. You can connect with us and share our stories through Facebook and Instagram at RV Connects or on our website at rvconnects.com. So let's dive into episode nine. Today we're talking about end of season trips and some of the ways we plan our last trips of the season to help us take care of maintenance and chores while still allowing lots of time to relax and enjoy the changing seasons. We're also going to finish up this episode by talking about some topics we've heard come up recently in the RVing community and our take on them. So before we dive in, though, I actually wanted to share some really special listener mail we received from one of our listeners in Ontario. Lynn and her husband wrote to us last week to tell us about a harrowing experience they had on the road and how our first few episodes encouraged them to hop back on the horse and continue their vacation plans after disaster struck. So Lynn writes, I wanted to say thank you. We bought a trailer at the beginning of the summer and we were loving it. Six weeks in, we had to make the choice of swerving to miss a vehicle or hitting it head-on with a full-size Suburban. Luckily, the girl is alive today. Sadly, our trailer rolled. Needless to say, it was a rough week. I went for a walk and started listening to your first podcast about hitting a deer. Well, I have to say it gave me a kick in the pants. We packed up the Suburban and still did our week-long trip sleeping in it rather than the trailer. I wanted to say thank you for saving our summer vacation. Loving listening to your podcasts and now getting to see the faces behind it is awesome. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. You guys rock. So thank you so much, Lynn, for writing to us. We're so glad everyone is all right. We're thrilled that you were able to continue your travels, even if it meant leaving your trailer at home. I won't share the rest of the follow-up with Lynn, but let's just say that fate led them to actually a really exciting destination on their road trip, and I think it was actually meant to be. So um, we just can't thank you enough for these listener messages that we get and people who really enjoy listening to the show. So if you are one of them, reach out and let us know what you think. Now, on to end of season trips. Maybe Dan, explain for our lucky, lucky Southern listeners what our camping season here is in Ontario. Yeah, so the camping season in Ontario is probably a little bit different than what you might experience in the Southern United States. The camping seasoning Canada or Ontario begins for us around Mother's Day and usually we'll get our first trip of the season in with the trailer and head out with some local families that are on the girls hockey team and just get together and make sure that everything works and that happens around Mother's Day in May and then the season goes right through till the Canadian Thanksgiving in October. Mm -hmm. I would say that for a lot of people in normal times maybe they would call Camping quits when school goes back at the beginning of September. But listen, if you've got a furnace in your trailer, you can probably push the boundaries of camping and and get into October and certainly get out at the beginning of May. But really peak season is June, July and August. Mm -hmm, For sure. So we have a definite start and end date is basically what we're saying to our season up here. We could push it maybe in March and take a trip for our spring break down south. But 
chances are we would hit some kind of a snowstorm along the way, which is fine if you're willing to take it slow and drive through those bad patches. But otherwise, if we're staying in Canada, if we're staying around home, certainly that kind of May to October timeframe is kind of where we're pigeonholed in. So us getting into October now, we took a recent trip this weekend to kind of wrap up and do one of our last trips of the summer and wrap up some of the maintenance items at the trailer. Yep. So where we went to was a privately run campground, uh, not too far from home, about 20 minutes away from home, which made it a nice trip to get out there nice and quick and get set up in daylight and then a nice quick trip home. The reason we chose a private campground is it came with full hookups. Uh, There's some seasonal campers in there. There's transient campers in there. But with the full hookups, that meant that you had sewer and water hookups right at your campsite. And that was really important to the year-end maintenance process. So I think kind of start at the top of the trailer and work our way down. So, you know, as you camp throughout the season and you're in different types of parks and you're under trees, you're going to get different tree sap and you're going to have, you know, just different weather hits the top of your roof. And if you've got a rubber roof, you're going to want to condition that. And even if you don't have a rubber roof, it's just a good idea to get up there and, and give it a good cleaning with the proper cleaner. And so if you can do that in the campground, by all means, go ahead and do it in the campground with a with a bucket and a sponge, a scrub brush and a long soft bristled pull brush as well as what we did. And, you know, we didn't just go there and be obtrusive when we did it. We knew that this is a park that allows that activity. There was at least a dozen other people in the parks doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So we had a good look at the roof. We had a good look at the awning and the awning needed cleaning. So we began that process. I kind of wet the underside of the awning, got the big dirt off, and then Melina hit it with a Mr. Clean Magic Eraser. Fantastic fantastic trick. It is safe, reliable, flexible plastic that awnings are made out of. There's some surfaces where a Mr. Clean Magic Eraser will just take the finish right off, but I found it works really, really well for awnings. It took us about four sponges to do the whole awning, which is two boxes of of products. So for like $12, I just put some water in a pail and climbed up on the ladder and just you know, started scrubbing at the stains. And you really do not have to scrub hard. Like it's a lot of work in that you're like standing there with your hands above your head for a good hour. But um, you really don't have to scrub very hard to get some of these really hard stains off. I found the only thing it didn't work amazing for was like there's some kind of rust stains on the bottom, which maybe like a CLR or something would work for. But honestly, when I was done, I was happy with the way it looked. And I mean, it's a five year old trailer, it's not going to look brand new again, but it certainly cleaned it up. I put some photos on our Instagram and on our Facebook page, so you can kind of see the before and after. And I do know that in the States, you can actually get uh, Mr. Clean Magic Eraser Roller Mop, which a lot of people had suggested to us. However, you cannot get that in Canada. So that is going on our list, our very long list of stuff that we love to get in the States that we can't get into Canada, like butter, a specific brand of butter we love, Kerrygold Irish Butter. If anybody wants to smuggle that up to us in Canada, we'll gladly take it. So I think we'll try that uh, the next time we're down south as well. But it was a fantastic trick for the awning. Oh, the awning just looks amazing. It went from beige or sandy to white. And I think Melina's underselling the job that she did. It just looks absolutely amazing. Uh, next thing you maybe want to take a look at is is your seals around the entire trailer. Anywhere where you have a joint, take a look at your lap seals and just make sure that they're not dried out, that they haven't shrunk, that there isn't gaps, that they haven't cracked the spot where water can get in. And as you're cleaning the roof off, start at the roof and check every little seal and go back down to the bottom. It doesn't take a a lot of time, but certainly going to prevent water getting into your trailer later and much more involved repairs to try and fix that or soft spots in floors. So it doesn't take a lot of time, but it's something that if you keep up on, it doesn't overwhelm you later on. I think 
too, a lot of people tend to ignore or they maybe don't pay as much attention to the very front of your trailer, like because you can see it. It's not like the roof where you have to climb up and have a look at the top. But I would say the front of your trailer probably gets the most wear from weather, from bugs, from wind, all of that kind of stuff. So taking a really good look at those seams close up is probably pretty important. I know that we've noticed certainly after five years and after spending a lot of time in the desert in the middle of summer along coastal shores where you have a lot of salt water flying <laughs> through the air and sticking to the front of the trailer, we've noticed some crazing and stuff on the on the logos and things on the front of our trailer. So it does get a lot more wear. Um, as you're driving. So even those parts that you can see, just this is a great time to really pay close attention to those. Yeah. And so that kind of goes to just cleaning the trailer. Once I've done the roof and we've done the awning, dirt and water run downhill. So then I really just go around the trailer with that brush and the hose and get, you know, the big bird poop off and the stubborn bug splatter off it and just loosen up that kind of stuff. I don't really go too crazy with all kinds of soaps and stuff like that. I think my personal opinion is a good rinse just gets the dirt off. I mean, maybe on the front, you want to use a marine wax, whatever your trailer manufacturer recommends. But by and large, I think you're just trying to get the big dirt off it Mm -hmm. as you go around it. And I should say, I mean, a lot of people are very lucky that in that they can store the trailers at home. Our trailer does fit in our driveway, but we have other winter activities. We snowmobile, we like to get out and we're very active and we have a long driveway, but we don't have a very wide driveway. So we don't keep our trailer in our driveway over the winter. We store it off site. And when our trailer's in our driveway, we actually can't get the slide out all the way out. We can get it out about halfway, which gives us enough room to to pack the trailer when we're getting ready to leave. And we do a lot of maintenance in the spring on our trailer, the same sort of things we're talking about right now, but getting the slide out all the way and really having a good look at it and conditioning the roof and all that is also something that was important for us to do on this trip because we can't do it at home. And it's a good time to just take a look at everything because you're not out camping to see a specific site or visit with family or road trip. You only came out to do this maintenance activity. And so you can get up there and clean off the dirt and the leaves and the grime that got into the slide out when you had to pack up real quick on a Sunday afternoon and get home before school started on Monday. Mm-hmm. Next thing we kind of get into is the interior cleaning of the trailer. Yeah, Dan primarily has been doing a great job of taking care of the seals. He knows when he's done it last. When we talk about those division of responsibilities, right? Like he tends to do the exterior and I do the interior. So I'm pretty type A and I have a process when we pack up from camping. Like I usually clean the trailer very well before we even can't uh, pack up to go home or I do it just after we get home and really clean out the interior of the trailer. But I just use this time to do a really good deep clean. Like I get on my hands and knees and I will do like the spray and mop and I will scrub the floor and really get getting good. We have a little um, stick vacuum dustbuster type vacuum that we use inside the trailer to get uh, into the carpet and whatnot that's on the slide out floor and just getting into the corners, dusting, all of that stuff that I kind of neglect because I'm too busy having a great time. I do that now at the end of the season, just getting into the crevices of like the windows and cleaning out the windowsills and things like that. So it's just a good time to really give a thorough deep clean to, you know, your sinks, your toilets, your showers, all of that kind of stuff that gets cleaned on a regular basis, but maybe not a deep clean to prepare it to be stored for the winter. Yep. And then I think the last thing that you get into is a good clean out of your tank. So if you're using any kind of treatment, now's your time to put that in there. We're big fans of Happy Camper because we are happy campers. (laughs) Um, So 
we are able to have a good dump at the campsite because there's full sewer hookups, which means you're not rushed at a dumping station in a provincial park. If you need to run your black water flush out longer to make sure that all the last little bits are out of it for the season, you can do that and take all the time that you need and get a really good clean flush out of it as well. Um, so that's nice. And then, of course, the last little thing is if you're really inclined, you can winterize your trailer yourself, get some RV antifreeze and, and winterize the trailer yourself. Now, full disclosure, I don't winterize the trailer myself. There are six places in that trailer where water can come out of and for $120 I can go to the local RV dealer and he will do it in under an hour. And so I kind of feel like it's maybe safer for me to just have him do that, do that himself. Mm-hmm. Now it's not overly complicated, but it does take some time and you have to know how your bypass valves work and whatnot for your specific trailer. So we don't want to abandon anybody who wants to do that, but we personally choose not to do it. But I will link up a really good blog article and a series of photos and videos on how to do it yourself if you want to, if that's something you want to look into yourself. But like we said, we just find it easier to pay. Well, and you know, I used to do it when we had a pop-up camper and really there was just one sink. But now that we're into toilets and outdoor showers and water heaters and stuff like that, I just assume let somebody else do it. I know it's done right. And then if something does break in the spring, I can put my hand on my heart and know that it wasn't my fault. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Maybe the last thing I would say is um, I wanted to talk a little bit about where you store, because I know this is the time of year when people start to worry about getting mice into the trailer. So Mm -hmm. I think it probably goes without saying, take all the food out of your trailer. If there's no food in there, it's not an attractive place for mice to come and eat. Now we store our trailer outside in Canada and there's multiple days in the winter when it gets below minus 20 Celsius and it gets below minus 30 Celsius. And so it's really cold outside, but where we store it is right near a horse barn stables. And so if you're a mouse, you have the opportunity of staying in our trailer, minus 30, no food, no water, or a nice warm barn with lots of food. And so because we store it outside, and there is a warmer spot for mice to go. We've never had mice in our trailer in the six, seven years that we've been doing this. Never mm-hmm. had a problem. Mm-hmm. If you really want to, you can get the warfarin mice poison. You could put that into your trailer. I, we don't do that. You could if you wanted. What I would say is that would be another thing that would attract mice to your trailer. So that's why I don't do that. I figure parked outside, nice and cold, no food in it, and we've never had a problem. Mm -hmm, For sure. And I think um, there's a lot of debate on kind of homemade mice treatments. Put uh, Irish spring soap in your trailer or put dryer sheets all over your trailer. And I know that works um, or some people say it works. A lot of people say it doesn't. I think the same thing as Dan mentioned with the warfarin. Like we, you don't want to put anything in there that's initially going to attract them. And I think some of these things actually end up attracting them instead of deterring them, which is why we don't. And trust me, we have our fair share of mice that come into our own home. And we do use the warfarin in our home because they, they're coming in regardless. So we, we do have, we, we deal with mice. We get it. But, uh, yeah, just kind of removing anything that's going to attract them in there is, is kind of key for us. And then the last thing we talked about the end of year maintenance, you can do the same thing for your beginning of season maintenance. So at the beginning of the season, before you've even started, you could take your trailer to the same park, go to the campsite, full hookups, hook up your water. And that's when you can flush out your RV antifreeze. You can sanitize your entire system. You can make sure that everything works. And it's nice to do that nice and close to home because if something doesn't work, the last thing you want to be is two or three hours away from home on your first trip and find out that something broke over the winter. You'd much 
much rather be less than an hour from home. And if it really comes down to it, you can just throw everybody in the truck and head back home for the night. Mm -hmm. And I think we talked about that a little bit. We talked about specifically sanitizing your freshwater system and why you might want to do that in episode five, which is 10 things you need to know about your RV. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and have a listen as well. Do you want to talk about the great cover debate? Yeah. So there's there's a debate about whether you should cover your trailer or not cover your trailer. So you could get an aftermarket cover to cover up your trailer. We don't. And the reason we don't is because we were told and advised that that can create moisture and trap moisture inside the cover that gets onto your trailer, as opposed to just being uncovered outside in the winter against the elements that there's a natural air circulation around the trailer, around the undercarriage and around your air conditioner. And we've never had any problems after, again, six or seven years of not covering the trailer, leaving it outside to uh, a snow belt winter where we get tons of snow and really deep freezes, we've been absolutely fine by not covering the trailer. Mm -hmm. And I think RV specific covers are made of materials that are meant to breathe. So they do allow some movement, but I do believe, you know, depending on the weather that's there, when you throw that cover on your trailer, if there's any moisture in your air conditioning unit, it's just going to sit there and it's not going to be able to fully escape or, uh, and, and get out of there. So definitely, definitely, Tarps are no-go because they don't allow for air movement. I, The way I look at it is this way. We live in the snow belt. We have very long winters here. When is the last time you've ever seen a dealer put covers on their trailers that are sitting in their lots? Like, it doesn't happen. And they're no worse for wear the next season when they go to sell them as brand new trailers. Like, it really... I mean, it's it's kind of this matter of opinion, but you know, those are the reasons we choose not to throw a cover on. And if you're brand new to RVing this season because of COVID and you've bought your first trailer and you're worried that, hey, I can't get a aftermarket cover for my trailer, I probably wouldn't panic. You know, you might not be able to get one because the supply chain is not there. And I I, I would tell you as having done this six or seven years, we haven't really had a problem. Mm-hmm. So don't stress about it. Over the winter, you've got better things to enjoy and worse things to worry about. Mm-hmm. For sure. So with all of that said, that's kind of how we wrap up our season before we prep our trailer for the end of season. We haven't done our winterizing yet. Normally we do it about this time. Would we camp after the winterization of our trailer? Absolutely. We just would, you know, we might use the heater and we're using it as a glorified tent and we don't use any of the water. We'll use the bathrooms at the campground and cook outside and use the taps outside uh, that are at the campground. So it's something that um, you certainly can do at any point in the season and still be able to camp if, if an opportunity came to you that you wanted to do it. And the last thing I would say is be a good camper when you do this at a site. Make sure that you're not using any more water than you need to. Turn the water off and on as you're using it. Make sure that it's not running into somebody else's campsite, that you're not overspraying into somebody's picnic table. You need to be thoughtful about how you're doing this. But listen, if the park sanctions it, there's absolutely no, nothing wrong with doing it. Mm-hmm, for sure. So with that wrapped up, we had uh, two items that have come on the radar, which kind of come on the radar. One of them is more, I think, cropping up more because of COVID reasons, I think. And the other one is just kind of something I see pop up every single year on trailer forums. But there are two topics we wanted to talk about. And one is firewood, specifically at provincial parks and at state parks. And the other one is tires for your trailer. So firewood. Yep. So firewood, there's lots of grumbling about the firewood. The quality of it. And the quality of it. It's big, it's naughty, it's hard to chop you know can you bring your own should you have an axe i would tell you from a public service announcement point of view in ontario you shouldn't transport firewood around the province because you risk bringing 
Critter, species. Critters and beetles and the wrong thing to the areas that we love. So don't do that. If you're going to buy your firewood from a provincial park, know that it might not be the greatest quality. And maybe that's because demand has been high this year, but it can be big and it can be naughty. So bring yourself a good axe, a, a big axe. I have a big heavy axe in the trailer, not a little hatchet, but bring a a big axe. With all of that being said, I'm not above, and I actually sometimes do prefer because I'm cheap to buy my firewood just outside the gate from somebody selling it at the end of their driveway. And often locally sourced, lo- locally sourced out just outside the park. I will sometimes purchase that because I'm cheap and because oftentimes maybe the quality is just a little bit better and it's easier to split. And, and I think really nothing destroys a campfire than having a hard time to get it going and trying to split the wood because the pieces are too large. Mm-hmm. But that being said, though, we, we've certainly camped enough in provincial parks this year that, I mean, I'm noticing a difference. It's probably just not well-seasoned because they're probably tapping into next year's supply to sell it this year because there's just been so many people camping. But, you know, if you if you have that axe and you can get that wood into small enough segments, you're going to be able to start a fire. Absolutely. And I think you wanted to talk about tires as well. Mm-hmm. So... A lot of trailer forums, a lot of like Facebook pages I've seen, a lot of people seem to be advocating for replacing trailer tires with like an LT vehicle tire meant for a truck. I think there's probably a correlation. It's, I haven't run the stats, but it, it seems to me the amount of times I see people posting about uh, like trailer tire blowouts while they're on a road trip is crazy to me. Dan and I talk about this all the time. Like we have gone literally all over most of North America and done crazy long road trips. We've never had a blowout. And we replaced our trailer tires a couple of times now. And we go with something that's a little higher grade than what came with the trailer for sure. But there's a distinct difference between a vehicle tire and a trailer tire. And I think it's important that everyone kind of knows what those differences are um, and why it's really not a good idea to kind of swap out the trailer tire for a truck tire. A little bit about tires, like a, um, a trailer, t- trailer tires have a code of ST and a passenger vehicle will have a code of P and an, or there's LT tires, which are meant for light truck. So people are talking about taking those light truck tires and switching them out because oftentimes they're the same size tires as what's on a trailer. But the difference is, is that they're constructed totally differently because they have different stressors, right? A passenger truck tire or vehicle truck tire is meant to put power to the road. Like it wants to grip the road as you're traveling. Whereas a trailer is more concerned with towing stability and dealing with the unique stressors that you're going to get with a single axle or a dual dual axle trailer. And that is in that trailer tires have a better constructed or a thicker sidewall to deal with those. And it's putting pressure, it's concerned with weight directly on the middle part of the tire and having a having a solid enough sidewall to deal with towing so that you're not going to get any sort of dangerous sway when you're going down the road. Now, truck tires do have a thicker sidewall than passenger tires, but it's not in the same spots because a truck tire is designed for the chassis and the weight of a truck versus the chassis and the weight of a trailer. And they're totally different. Yeah. So think of it this way. Your, your truck goes down the road and you make a few left and right hand turns and maybe you back into a parking spot and maybe you have to go down a gravel road. When you have your trailer, your trailer is following your truck. But once you get to the campground, you're backing, you're, there's a lot of pressure on those tires as you're backing into a tight site and you're really putting a lot of pressure on on the side of the trailer and that's why it needs to be constructed differently and you know i think if they wanted you to have truck tires on your trailer that would have come from the factory with truck tires on it 
Mm -hmm, For sure. And I think, you know, one of the things to note is like a lot of these aren't a blowout is certainly instantaneous, but I think the causes that lead up to it are cumulative, right? So if you're putting the wrong trailer on from or the wrong tire on from the get go, you're going to get those cumulative stressors in the wrong spot. That's just going to weaken the tire to the point where you're going to have an unexpected blow. So that said, I don't know, we might get hate mail about this, (laughs) where people have successfully done it for years, and it's been fine. But I think, you know, unless your manufacturer's you know, directions specifically say state that you can do a direct swap for a vehicle tire, fine. But if not, just stick to a higher quality trailer tire. They are the tread is not meant to last last as long as a vehicle tire, but it's by design. And if that doesn't change your mind, I will try and argue this out with your pocketbook. It was a whole lot cheaper for me to put four new tires on the trailer than it was to put four new tires on my F-150. Absolutely. So that's it. That's we're weighing in. That's our two cents or rounded up to the nearest five cents because we don't have pennies in Canada anymore. So that's it. Tune in next week. You're going to have a solo date with Dan as he talks about his recent daddy daughter trip to Finlayson Point Provincial Park in Tomogamy, Ontario. Catch you later. Bye bye. <laughs>